Hello and welcome to The Better Business Show with me, Tom Idle. Thanks for tuning in. Coming up this week. See, a lot of people think going commando is probably the best thing that you can do in terms of support and breathability. And we're humans, we're born naked, you know, we're, our, we're designed to go with our naked body. Usually when I go to sleep, for example, I'll go sleep naked and yeah, it, it feels great. And the bamboo underwear is kind of great for both worlds. I mean, you're definitely wearing something, but you know, for me, I have to kind of like, am I, what am I wearing? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, I kind of have to do a quick mental check just to make sure I am in fact Yes, this time we're talking pants. That's underwear to those of you tuning in from North America. And we're with Jason Spitkowski, the proud owner of Buddha Boxers, a business that is getting seriously comfortable with bamboo. Stay tuned. Welcome back. This is episode 56 of The Better Business Show. Thanks for being there and apologies for a very much unplanned hiatus these past couple of weeks. Uh, As I mentioned on the Friday Five uh, show, if you tuned into that last week, uh, life has been a bit hectic uh, of late. So, you know, working on some big projects, uh, but I also moved home, which is, as you can imagine, a bit mad and uh, has, has made life a bit disjointed. Uh, but we are back, back, back this week. We've got another great story for you in the form of uh, Buddha or, or Buddha, uh, as my, my guest describes his company, Buddha Boxers. Uh, and Jason Spitkowski, love that name. Hope I'm doing it justice with my pronunciation. Um, so like I say, it's been a hectic few weeks, but I did manage to get along to the London launch of the Two Degrees Manufacture 2030 uh, last Wednesday night. Thanks for inviting me along, guys, and lovely to see some old faces there. Uh, but we're up the Shard. We're up at the, the 17th floor, I think it was, in the Shard in London. And it was especially exciting, I guess, to hear about this new venture. I know it's something that the Two Degrees team has been talking about for a good number of years now. Certainly there was talk about launching such a platform during my time there when I used to work there and I left the business in early 2015. So it's been in gestation for you know a good while now. Uh, but I think it looks really good. It's, it's not an easy thing to explain what this is, but I'll, I'll give it a go. Um, and I'm going to do so on this podcast because... A, I think it's a really worthwhile enterprise, and B, because I think that there's plenty of you out there uh, among our listeners and the wider network that will be interested in in what this thing is. So essentially, it's it's an online platform where people working in operational roles within manufacturing companies can log on, they can find information, they can speak to each other in a sort of Facebook type way and they can get what they need to do their job better from a resource, energy, waste and water saving point of view. And we've spoken about this before on the show and it's now, you know, widely recognized really that the manufacturers in particular with their, you know, their big plants, their machinery, their their processes using loads of water, using loads of energy, creating loads of waste are just not doing enough to be more efficient and responsible and resilient. Uh, Steve Evans, um, who's Director of Research at the Institute for Manufacturing at the University of Cambridge, who was who was chairing a panel at this event last Wednesday that I went along to. Now, he says that 10% of a manufacturer's costs are actually in the labour 
And that is something that companies are absolutely obsessed with. Think about how much we talk about robotics and automated processes in factories. These companies are absolutely obsessed with reducing their labor costs. But really, that's only 10% of the total. Now, 50% of costs for a manufacturer are in the resources. So in water use, in their energy use, in their, you know, the, the raw materials they buy. And the problem is, as Steve said, the current rate of improvement on getting those resources under control and getting those costs down is just ten. Uh, it's just one percent a year, and if actually what Steve said was, if companies could get that to eight uh, percent reduction every year, they could actually save about hundred thousand pounds a year. So um, why aren't they doing it? Well, they're not doing it because it's hard, and people don't have enough information, and they don't have enough knowledge to even do some of the simple things well. So they're just not bothering. You know, they're just finding very very small tweaks to get it reduced by one percent a year and that's nowhere near good enough in terms of all the things we talk about on this show in terms of climate change in terms of resource scarcity in terms of risk to business and and this is where something like manufacture 2030 uh, and obviously a new platform and of course there's lots of platforms out there um, but I like this one. I mean, it, it's all about helping operational people share stuff. So if somebody's worked out how to, to do something, whether it's, you know, install LED lights in a warehouse, then they can share that knowledge and then they can allow other people to do the same. And it also taps into a growing trend for more companies being keen to help the manufacturers in their supply chain. And if they can help facilitate through a pr- platform like this you know the many kind of suppliers they've got and help them to reduce their costs and those impacts then they can do it really quickly and they can do it at scale which so far has been the missing link and you know of course there's costs attached to this there's a few sort of partners that have come on board already the co-op being one of them but there is a cost attached attached and and companies will have to kind of stump up some cash to keep these things going um but it looks it looks impressive i don't usually do this sort of thing on on the show you know taking something like this and and sort of picking it apart and giving it a bit of a thumbs up but i think it's well worth checking out if it's you know if it sounds like it's up your street Uh, and this is what it's all about it's about making it easier for companies to get their house in order uh, and some of these, some of this resource efficiency stuff is really easy, uh, but only when you know how. And this is designed to kind of solve that. Um, right before we crack on the show in earnest, just a quick reminder to subscribe to the show. You can do that via iTunes. You can do that via SoundCloud. There's also many other ways to listen to the show on Deezer, on Stitcher, on TuneIn. Lots of different apps you can use. Of course, you can go to the website, www.betterbusiness.show, and have a listen to the archive there. Um, of course, you know the best way not to miss a show is to subscribe via the aforementioned, or indeed sign up to our weekly newsletter. There's a big box at the top of our podcast homepage, so just give us your email address, and we'll do uh, the rest, keeping you abreast of all that's happening here at Better Business Show headquarters. Um, anyway, right, let's get on with this week's show. Consider the fashion sector for a moment, and specifically one of the backbones of the industry, and that is cotton. As the most widely used natural fibre used in clothing today, it's a hugely important crop, and more than 100 million smallholder farmers and their families rely on cotton for their living, with 90% of those farmers living in the developing world. 
But cotton faces significant sustainability risks and challenges, not least its reliance on water and the impact of climate change. For every T-shirt made, about 2,700 litres of water is used in the agricultural process. That's the same amount of water that the average human being drinks in three years. As you can tell, it's a very, very thirsty crop. As World Economic Forum notes, water security is one of the most tangible and fastest growing social, political and economic challenges faced today. The world is likely to face 40% global shortfall between forecast demand and available supply of water in the next 15 years. It's also worth pointing out that although cotton uses just 2.4% of the world's cultivated land, it accounts for 24% of global insecticide use and 11% of global pesticides, making it the most pesticide-intensive crop grown on the planet. Now, NGOs and non-profits like Cotton Connect and the Better Cotton Initiative are working really hard to support smallholder farmers with basic interventions like training and education, which can really help farmers dramatically save water by adopting more sustainable agricultural practices. However, many farmers do not have access to basic information when it comes to you know, best practice for water use and conservation. Educating and empowering farmers and helping them gain access to finance are barriers to progress that need to be addressed urgently. The global textile and garment industry is worth $3 trillion, but the ephemeral nature of fashion where what's hot and what's not can change in the blink of an eye poses a series of formidable sustainability challenges, not least in the supply of brands everywhere. So, as we so often pose on this show, what if there was a better way? Well, this week I caught up with Jason Spitkowski, founder of Buddha Boxers. He went in search of ultimate comfort for his underwear brand, landing on bamboo as the perfect material of choice. But as he told me during our conversation this week, he got plenty more than he bargained for in setting up a business designed to get people thinking about the clothes they buy. Jason, uh, great to have you on board for this week's uh, show. Uh, How's it going over there? It's going well. Uh, I feel like spring is in the air here in Toronto and Canada, but it's hard to tell. It could be a couple months yet. Okay, set, set the scene for us so our, our listeners know exactly where you are. Are you at home? Are you in the office? Where are, where are you right now? Uh, in my home office uh, in central Toronto, overlooking uh, a large sort of doggy walk park and <laughs> a cool but clear uh, spring or well, I guess winter morning. Absolutely. It's a bit of snow on the ground, but I'm snug. I got uh, comfortable clothes on, work from home. It's early morning for me here, so uh, yeah, I'm good. Okay, comfortable. comfortable yeah, comfortable clothes. We'll come on to speak about these comfortable clothes of yours. Um, I stumbled upon your your good self and your 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 venture on Kickstarter uh, a few weeks back now. Actually, I, something I often do on a Sunday evening, just trawling through Kickstarter, seeing who's doing what, and, and I'm glad I reached out to you because yours is a, is a is a venture I'm very keen to know more about. Uh, where did uh, Buddha Boxers all start for you, Jason? Buddha Boxers started for me around. Two years ago, just over two years ago, um, as a married guy, typically what I do once or twice or once every year or two is go and get my socks and underwears at a, at a discount department store. I, I generally don't care or didn't care about my socks and underwear. It was just kind of uh, generally get the cheapest thing that I could do or that I could find and I'd be happy with that or I'd be, I'd, I'd be content with that. I wouldn't put much thought into it. 
And uh, one day I happened across these bamboo socks that happened to be on sale, and I picked them up. And I wore them, and I was blown away. I thought, these are so such great socks. And I and they instantly became my favorite socks. I, I, they, I actually instantly created a favorite sock category because of these socks. <laughs> And uh, so I was, I was so blown away by, you know, this fairly small detail in my life. And after a couple months, it, it occurred to me that, wow, like, why can't I have underwear that's this amazingly comfortable? So I, I looked online and I found some bamboo underwear. I found a variety of underwear and I ordered, I ordered quite a bit of underwear. I'm actually surprised at how much I spent on underwear because, <laughs> like I said, usually I'm just like, give me the cheapest thing that's functional and I'll be, I'll be good with that. But, uh, you know, having tasted what a, a better quality product can do and how it can make me feel, I was really interested to see how good underwear actually has gotten. You know, it's 20, 2017 now at the time, I guess 2015. And I thought, wow, where are we at as a society, you know, when it comes to underwear? So uh, I, I ordered a bunch of underwear online. I went to, you know, various premium brands also here around town at brick and mortar retailers. And I picked out a bunch of different kinds of underwear. And they were all not great. I mean, they were all, you know, had their, their positive elements, but there was always some sort of problem with them that really kind of put me off, whether it was uh, the fabric sometimes was too sheer. So after a couple wears, even I'd see holes develop or uh, I've tried some synthetic fabrics and I get like a pretty consistent staticky sort of charge that I notice and I never really, it just feels like I'm wearing cling wrap almost. Um, and sometimes I'll get underwear or I've gotten underwear that's, you know, far too expensive for what I got or just too many bright colors. Or I mean, personally, I hate having uh, branding on my waistbands. Like I just feel it's it's my underwear. You know, it's it's like the, the few things about me that should be just me because it is effectively a second skin. Yeah. I don't want to have advertisements on my skin in that context. So there's a bunch of things that I found with a lot of different underwear that I tried. And so, uh, yeah, that set me off on the quest to come up with underwear that I would personally want to buy and uh, would want to be comfortable wearing and, you know, at a good price. And, and presumably your, your other half is now thinking, is he having an affair? This is a guy that wasn't interested in his underwear at all. And now he's, he's buying all this different underwear, trying out different materials. Um, I mean, what, what was she thinking? Uh, you know, honestly, I think she was probably a little bit like, "What's what's he up to this? What's he up to this time?" But you know, I've kind of, I guess, I've kind of, I, I, I do kind of go off on these tangents. I've, I've, yeah, I guess I kind of have that personality. So I don't think she was that blown away. And, and definitely, I, I, I like explaining, you know, I, I like explaining ideas or think thoughts that I have, or talking about them with my wife. And so I was talking with her about it, and she was actually pretty supportive. And uh, right from the get go. Yeah, she thought I should uh, should follow through with it. I guess she she saw how passionate I got over underwear. Uh, yeah, definitely scratched her head, but uh, yeah, yeah. I think she just thought it'd be best to let me go with it. So, so what had you been doing? I mean, what what's your career looking like, Jason? I mean, what what are you doing before this? So before this, I actually uh, had a career in uh, software development. I guess I was uh, I, I was a computer programmer for several years, and I transitioned into uh, sort of product manager a few years ago. And so uh, I you know I was uh, familiar with making software products and the process and the work that goes behind the scenes to do and support that. Right. So in addition to actually making the software, you know, writing the documentation, working with marketing and having uh, setting up a support center and a bunch of other sort of miscellaneous stuff that you don't think about. 
And so I, I kind of had in my mind, you know, a, a pretty good idea of the amount of work that I thought it would take to get underwear, an underwear company off the ground. Naturally, I was completely wrong, and it was far more work than I thought. Um, so I guess, yeah, coming from a sort of software product background into underwear background was uh, was a pretty big transition for me. And definitely there were a lot of mistakes that I made, like smaller mistakes that I kind of like to think that I uh, won't be making again. But um, yeah, it was uh, coming from a different industry. And uh, like I said, kind of driven by passion more than a familiarity of what I'm doing. So yeah. uh, which I guess... Definitely grateful for because, like I said, the first couple years there was, you know, I'd make a lot of smaller mistakes. I but I was kind of anticipating that, um, you know, been been to a few rodeos before, so I definitely started with a small product uh, order. My initial orders were quite small. I would give them to personal, you know, close friends first, and then I would gradually uh, open up and uh, start getting more people to try out these underwear, giving away samples. So I definitely took it slow, was pretty careful, definitely cautious about having underwear, you know, going off and excitingly promoting my underwear, but wanted to be mindful that they actually were a rock solid company because, or sorry, a rock solid product because, uh, you know, it's like a, it's, it's, it's my, uh, it's a brand that I'm building. So I think yeah. you know, for me, it, it has been always important just to make sure that the product is rock solid first. And so uh, I spent a lot of time diligently making sure that I got that and uh, before I moved on to the other elements of the business yeah 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 and and this venture driven by a passion to find comfortable breathable underwear and I wonder where the kind of the narrative around this being also about finding an alternative to cotton which I know we will come on to talk to about shortly but was was that part of this decision right from the outset too or did that come later uh, for me it uh, the environmental aspect uh, honestly it came a close second I think like I said the first thing that drew me to the whole idea was was just the the comfort and breathability of the product that was what drove me to it and that's what kind of I guess made me fall in love with it but then you know doing further research and seeing there's all these amazing benefits in addition to just being comfortable really kind of cemented it and that's where I started thinking like okay this is you know there's a lot of people with comfortable underwear or claim to have comfortable underwear but there's a few other things at play and that's when uh, the whole sort of uh, business plan took shape in my mind is yeah. uh, discovering the environmental benefits well let, let's talk about that I mean there is, a, there, is a, there is a big problem with cotton and you know you start looking at the, the statistics on cotton production and the sheer amount of water required to grow and cultivate we, you know, which is an incredibly thirsty crop, um, but it's also a story that that few people kind of know and few people understand or even care about. And I wonder how much of this kind of this business plan is about changing that mindset, so that actually the environmental story, you know, does does kind of shift up the agenda. You know, even in in terms of your brand. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a great question. It's a huge question. I mean, for me, there's. There is a, a lot of, that needs to happen in terms of public education and, and general society's um, beliefs and understandings of cotton, and not just cotton. I mean, like cotton's one crop that uh, you know I've done some research on, but I'm sure there's like you know in other industries like food industries and other things that we grow. There's got to be you know there's always got to be the the cotton crop of any industry. I'm sure it's not just cotton, 
And I just feel that uh, absolutely it's something that needs to be discussed more. And I feel that, uh, you know, the amount of chemicals used into growing cotton in particular is something that just people just I don't know. I'm still trying to determine if if people, you know, if it's something that they'll hear and they'll kind of brush under their sort of mental rug or if it's something where people, you know, hear it the first time and instantly, you know, avoid buying cotton. I don't feel like that happens a lot. I feel like a lot of people have really good intentions and so yeah. when you say, you know, this is a better product or this is an, a better environmental product, people will, will, will gel, they, they, they'll get it and they'll, they'll, they'll appreciate that. But when it comes time to actually putting their money down, I'm not convinced yet that that's something where uh, I would say, you know, like the, the sort of largest market segments, definitely there's, uh, you know, environmental markets, uh, niches that would be all on board for that. But I would feel, I feel that the, Generally, the market in general is not something where people are like, oh, is it environmentally friendly? Sure, here's whatever uh, extra yeah. money for this product. I don't feel like we're there yet. And I feel like uh, there's definitely, I think ultimately it's a, there's a trust issue. I mean, even with food, when you go into a market, do you know the certification, like if something's organic or if it's free run? Do, most people don't even know exactly what that means. They just know that it's good. And yeah. I feel like with Food being an example that it's taken so long for organic or free run or whatever other legitimate certifications there are out there, taken yeah. so long for those to be kind of uh, accepted as a norm. And even still, I'm I'm pretty sure most people, you know, if you have organic bananas and then the basket next to it, non-organic bananas that are 50% less, I think a lot of people still would go for the non-organic bananas. Yeah, yeah. So I, I yeah. You're absolutely right, and, and not not the first guest to to have had this conversation with that that's uh, tapping into that that niche, as you say, is is no basis for a business right now, uh, and maybe that will change. But uh, we're just not quite there yet. But t- tell me about bamboo. I mean, wh- where do you where do you source the bamboo from? What what, what does the supply chain look like for your boxes? So the bamboos uh, grow and sourced in China, and uh, it's manufactured. the The fabric itself is manufactured in China as well. Well, I was going to say. I mean, what, what about the characteristics of of that particular uh, plant? I mean, I know it's it's incredibly kind of water efficient, isn't it? And it grows very quickly. Uh, I mean, what what else do we know about bamboo that you can tell us? Right. So uh, it's extremely water efficient. Grows quickly. Uh, doesn't really require any pesticides or any fertilizer which is another huge thing apparently uh i was reading another statistic on cotton and it and it says that for you know every kilogram of cotton it needs about a third of that in fertilizer to to keep the plant nourished whereas uh bamboo is a lot more self uh, just it's a lot more resilient and uh, doesn't need as much fertilizer it's it's a grass technically so it's something where you can just you know you just cut it down it'll regrow rather than, you know, killing the plant and having to replant it completely. Yeah. So uh, in that case, in that scenario or in that, uh, in that angle, it's, it requires less sort of farm production. So you're going to have less people or machines uprooting dead plants, planting new ones. When you plant a new seed, it usually requires, you know, a little bit of extra care and energy basically to, to sort of nurture it. So there's a lot of, uh, uh, sort of secondary benefits, I think, uh, to that. So, you know, there's a direct benefit of not needing as much chemicals and water and stuff like that. But then there's also, as a sort of 
direct result of that, there's also less, you know, farmers spending less on fuel, for example, to go and plant and dig up the old bamboo, for example. Like that doesn't happen like it does with a lot of other crops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and what does the market look like? I mean, do you have many many options? You've obviously gone out to China to source bamboo, but presumably bamboo is is available in other parts of the world as well. I mean, what 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 takes you to China? What is it specifically there? Is it is it all about the price? Uh, it's definitely the price is one of them, uh, one of a, a major draw and bamboo forests are a lot more plentiful in China. China has pretty, pretty great actually, uh, deforestation laws now. So mm. the, the bamboo from China is in fact, uh, it's, it's ethically grown, it's ethically farmed. Um, I know bamboo grows in other parts. I know it grows all over the world, but I think having that industry, like the the textile industry, where you're going to grow bamboo uh, specifically for textiles, I think it's. I don't even know if it exists outside of China. I know there's uh, some companies and ways of making fabric. Uh, uh, Lenzig, I think, is an Austrian company that has a patent on it, but I uh, that has a patent on this uh, tensile fabric, for example. Um, but I know they use beechwood in Turkey, but I don't know if they use bamboo and if they do, if it's bamboo from China. But okay. I, I know, for example, uh, I was in Nicaragua over the holidays and they have bamboo plantations there. But I don't think, again, it's it's bamboo that's grown for uh, clothing. I think it's used for, you know, more local building supplies and things okay. like that. Okay, so, so you've, got your, you've got your bamboo your in your manufacturing plant in china what what does that process look like what what's added to bamboo to make the fabric that you've you've got here uh the bamboo fabric is made in the in a process where it's basically mulched and it's treated with uh, a chemical to sort of dry it out and right. um, it's uh it's it's kind of, it's basically so bamboo viscose is kind of like a rayon it's very similar to the rayon process where the bamboo, or sorry, the fabric is made from uh, from the plant that's that's kind of broken down, dried out, and then they have a chemical process that actually spawns the the bamboo viscose threads, and that's what's end of it. That's what they end up using to uh, to weave the actual bamboo viscose fabric. Okay, and it's the genetic makeup of the bamboo plant, I guess, that that gives this fabric this kind of breathability that you talk about. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of claims uh, at Buddha Boxers. I decided not to go forward with some of these claims, but there's a lot of people that say that you know the bamboos antibacterial naturally. That a lot of the natural sort of properties of the plant gets carried through to the actual fabric. Right. Um, I've read a lot of that online. Personally, like I, I think it's true. I mean, when I wear Buddha Boxers, for example, it's it's different. It's different than a rayon, for example. It, it's you know like you compare it to like a micro model sort of fabric and uh, again very similar but it's it just feels different it's, there's a certain quality that I, I have a tough time explaining but you know when you put them on or, or when you just finish washing them they get, it feels like it just absorbs the, the underwear is heavier it just absorbs right. more of the water after a wash so I feel like uh, I, these must be natural properties of the plant you know compared to similar fabrics yeah. I notice it more in the bamboo viscose. Um, a lot of the properties, like I said, other companies, for antibacterial properties that c- continues through, which I, I don't, I don't, like I said, have as a, as a selling point for Buddha boxers, just because a lot of people claim that that's not true. And I, I don't want to court that kind of controversy without knowing for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah. definitely there's, 
you know, it's to me, it's a great, it's a great fabric. It feels great, and it's it's different than uh, than every other fabric that I've worn. And I assume it's definitely the bamboo. Well, one claim you do make on your website is that when you've got your Buddha boxers on, it feels like you're going commando, right? And I'm not yeah. entirely convinced. I'd like that sensation. I like to know there's something there between me and my and my trousers, my pants, as you would say. But but clearly, I'm missing out on something here, am I? Well, I mean, uh, having done an extensive lookup on the kinds of underwear and, you know, what people are into and just even getting into boxer briefs versus trunks versus in boxer shorts and the sort of technical the vernacular of the of the product, let alone the female side of the product, which is a totally different thing. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, they, they definitely, for me, like I, per, like, you know, you read about like what's, what's healthy. A lot of people think going commando is probably the best thing that you can do in terms of support and breathability. And, you know, it's how we're, we're, we're humans. We're born naked, you know, we're, are, we're designed to go with our naked body. Um, so a lot of people, myself included, like going commando. And usually when I go to sleep, for example, I'll go sleep naked and yeah, it, it feels great. And, I personally like it. I think uh, a lot of people do, although certainly there's a lot of, you know, I do, like, like yourself, where you do want some sort of barrier. So I feel like the, the bamboo underwear is kind of great for both worlds. I mean, you're definitely wearing something, but, you know, for me, I have to kind of like, am I, what am I wearing? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, I kind of have to do a quick mental check just to make sure I am, in fact, wearing underwear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so- so you meant you mentioned there um, uh, women's underwear. I mean, is this an area that you would you'd go into as well? Or I mean, what was the what's the plan? Yeah, no, the the plan is definitely to uh, expand and get into other um, products. I mean, we're looking at other loungewear. We're we're looking. We're kind of testing the market, seeing what people want. I definitely I've been trying to get female underwear uh, going, but I found it more complicated than guy underwear. I mean, like I mentioned, there's there's the vernacular like boxer briefs versus briefs versus trunks. Yeah. There's then with the female side, there's like there's uh, bikinis, there's briefs, there's chikinis, there's uh, like thongs, there and there's different variations of those that are so subtle that I, I I really need to spend more time with it. But then also, you know, like with women's bodies, I feel are are shaped differently than men's. You know, when a guy gains weight, it usually goes to his stomach. And that's not that's fine, you know. As a for an underwear, it's it's not like uh, the underwear will generally fit for most like guys have the, generally the same shape in their their thighs and waist. Whereas yeah. women, you know, like a heavier woman, the weight goes to their butts and thighs, so it'll make fitting underwear more complicated. So, for example, I've had underwear that was designed for a, a slimmer body, and putting it on, even though. Putting it on uh, some women, for example, they'll like, oh, it, the underwear will go only halfway up their butt kind of thing and will yeah. fit otherwise perfectly fine. So there's there's more there's more nuances there that uh, I really need to figure out before I, I want to go full hog into that. But definitely it's on the radar. It's just more complicated. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, as we said right at the outset, you're, you know, you're right at the start of this, of this journey. You're running a, a Kickstarter campaign right now. Uh, how's that? How's it going? Have you found that whole that whole process? Uh, actually, our Kickstarter just concluded yesterday. Although we're ah, definitely, okay. uh, we've transitioned more. We've transitioned now to the pre-orders for our, our next shipment. Um, but the process has been great. You know, working with Kickstarter has been great. I feel like uh, it was. I'm really glad I did it. We, we ended up uh, more than 300 percent funded. Brilliant. So. It, 
Yeah, it was went really well. It exceeded my expectations. It was a great sort of market test, and I had basically very little budget when I started the Kickstarter for the video and the different photos that I had. So I was really, I was really happy with the result. Uh, and I definitely, yeah, I'd like to explore maybe if I do get female uh, underwear or you know next product, I definitely would like to explore uh, in another Kickstarter. As I feel like it was a great way. Like I said, to test things, to get people's feedback. Working with uh, Kickstarter backers was amazing. They were they were really helpful. I feel like they Kickstarter backers like being as part of a project as much as they like you know getting whatever cool thing that they ended up pledging. Yeah, so uh, yeah. it was a great community, great place to get feedback, and a great way for any aspiring entrepreneur to to really test their product and their business. I think. Brilliant, brilliant. And of course, a lot of it's about, about storytelling. And, you know, it's something that I do through my company, Narrative Matters. You know, we're, we, we tell stories. Uh, and this show is just is part of that. But I wonder how important, you know, your story is and your personality and your kind of your personal kind of journey, how important that is in the ongoing and the future success of this venture of yours. I mean, and, and how, how do you plan to kind of use storytelling to, to kind of continue that? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, absolutely, storytelling I think is is super important. Uh, the most important, arguably the most important thing. Of actually, definitely the most important. What I stand for, what my business stands for, I think is something that I need to tweak and really solidify. I want to have a mission statement. I want to make sure. I just want to, you know, right now, like the the story is great. I think you know people on Kickstarter gelled with my story like i feel like you know it was you know i i was i was genuine enough and uh and and people like that they like to see that they like to see you know something yeah. that they can identify emotions or or stories so i feel like uh the story that the the buddha boxer story ha- was people were able to gel with it pretty good on kickstarter and i think the next steps for me are to really sort of narrow down exactly what it is we want to accomplish at Buddha Boxers. I don't think people are interested in you know, another clothing company that has great prices. I think mm. that absolutely there needs to be an emotional element. There needs to be something something they can latch onto to really drive them to uh, to want to get the product and uh, feel good about it afterwards. Yeah. So I think that's 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 incredibly important, and I think uh, the next step is going to be to figure out you know what it, like the mission statement some clear phrase that i can put up and uh something that people would want to get behind and uh something that i can achieve and i think you know talking about sustainability and the trust and you know certified amazing sustainable products i think that's all really important and that all needs to play a part of that Mm. and uh and then for me i guess right now the next few months is going to be figuring out exactly what people want to see and then once i have that absolutely i need to go full hog into it and you know things like clothing sustainability, things or or, or sustainable fabrics is is such a huge thing that I'm not you know under any illusions that I, I I don't know exactly what difference I can make. I know I can make a difference, and I think you know because because I'm so small though I just really need to find like the one the one sort of nugget to latch onto and really go after that, and uh, hopefully yeah that would resonate with people and. Uh, and deliver that sort of emotional story element that I, again, I think is absolutely vital. Yeah. And, and I guess the success of the, the Kickstarter campaign is, is testament to, you know, that, that you're onto something and it's been great to, to find out more about 
Buddha Boxers, Jason. Uh, we urge everybody to go out and visit your website. We'll put the link in today's show notes uh, and support the, all that you're doing. Of course, where, where can people get their hands on these, these garments of yours? Are they available yet or what, what's happening? They'll be available in May. We're taking pre-orders right now on our website, www.buddhaboxers.com. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be having a subscription service, and uh, we're really excited. We got the, the new Kickstarter underwear, four different colors, great environmentally uh, sustainable, super comfortable underwear. So uh, definitely check it out. They'll be available for delivery in May. Brilliant. Jason, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Jason Spitcozy there, founder of Buddha Boxers, telling us the story of his brand. It's well worth checking out the website, as Jason mentioned there, not only to get a bit more background, but also to have a look at the products and, uh, and pre-order for yourself or for a loved one. May 24th, as Jason said, is when they'll be ready and they'll be ready for shipping. Uh, as ever, let me know what you think of the show, of Jason, of Buddha, or the underwear preference, perhaps. Uh, perhaps not Um, and remember you know if there's a business you'd like to hear featured on these pages then just shout send me an email tomidle at narrativematters.co.uk or tweet me at tomidle I'd love to hear from you well that's it for this week Uh, I hope you enjoyed it we'll be back again for our Friday 5 show on Friday of course uh, so don't miss that but until next time goodbye